Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Do you know what I'm saying, Matt? Like a snake should be coming out of the... <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NFL Strategy Show, Monday morning showdown edition. One of our favorite shows of the week, hopefully one of your favorites as well. I'm Dave Locker, and with me, as always, Matt Gajeski. And joining us again, this is, this is going to be a thing. This is going to be a thing going forward. Former defensive end for the Chicago Bears, Alex Brown. Alex, what's going on, man? You go ahead. You know what? You want to fire away. I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to take the heat after last week saying that that Bears game would go over. Not only did it not go over, but it, had it not been for that uh, kick return to start the second half, we might have seen like 20 total points. What a brutal game that was! And I feel horrible that you had to talk about it more after our show was over. Absolutely. I mean, I've been watching this right here all year, so it's <laughs> been I've kind of got a got accustomed to it, and I kind of expect it. So. To think a Bears game is going to go over, yeah, I'm not going to go with that until they change something drastically on on offense. What's going on, Matt? How you feeling about tonight's game? You got the Bucks, you got the Rams. We're coming off an amazing Sunday night football game between the Rams or the, the Raiders and the Chiefs. Raiders almost handed Kansas City their second loss of the season. They would have been the only team to beat them twice, but. Travis Kelsey was open by 400 yards in the end zone. Uh, we got an awesome game. I'm hoping we get another one today. Yes, that's up that way. I mean, the total is 48 points. That's pretty good. Tampa Bay slight favorite. Two good teams with some playoff hopes here. So I'm excited for the game. We're happy to have all you guys with us, too. If you're in the chat, if you're just jumping in now, hit that thumbs up. But more importantly, if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, you know what to do. Hit that subscribe. If you hate it, we'll refund your misery. Just click unsubscribe. But if you like what we do here, if you want to help support us, but you also want to know when our shows go live, you want us to show up more in the browse recommended feature so it's easier to find us, hit that subscribe button. It's a lofty goal, but we're trying to get to 50,000 by the end of the year. We're like 8K away, maybe a little less after yesterday, made a pretty solid push, but help us get there. That'll be your gift to us for the holidays. And hopefully our gift to you will be a lot of great free content that helps you win a lot of money. It's a win-win situation right out of the gate. William Westry with the super chat. Thank you, brother. Are we getting Matt a Black Friday TV? We're working on it. We're working on it. Alex, Matt does not have a single TV in his house. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I saw I saw the show and, and he said that and I'm like, gosh, and it's freezing in there apparently. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm like, come on, we, we got to do something. I, I got to call Amazon or something to get his <laughs> stuff shipped over there. 
He's just like shivering on a rocking chair all day before he has to do his shows. All right, let's dive into it. Um, the Tampa Bay Bucks, Alex, are 40 or 48 and a half point total in this game. The Bucks are four point favorites at home. Uh, oh, general overview before we get into this. How do you look at both of these teams as far as good, you know, great secondary for the Rams? Bucks have a good run defense. Um, it could be a relatively low scoring game, but you said something to me before the show that you actually could see this as a game where the, the Rams are forced to try and run the ball. So explain that. And then we'll jump into this LA team. Uh, the, the reason I say that is because, I mean, you look at on the, just on the surface of it, you look at the Rams or, or uh, you think, well, Aaron Donald, and now you got a, a resurgence of Leonard Floyd and all the sacks that they get. Well, the Tampa Bay Bucks actually have more sacks than them. They just do it by committee. Um, with Barrett and Pierre Paul and all those guys. So, I mean, they have um, eight guys with two or more sacks. So there's a lot of guys getting after the quarterback. And we're not just talking about, oh, well, I'm just saying sacks now, but there's a lot of pressure they put on the quarterback. So you don't want to have those guys get in those sprinter stances and just tee off on your quarterback. So a lot of them um, to run the ball, to do uh, a bunch of screens, to kind of – that's what you do to offset – a team that runs, runs, runs like speed team. So I think that's kind of the blueprint we'll see um, tonight. And that's honestly, I think that's for both teams. You don't want that quarterback to hold the ball in that pocket. And neither one of them, they're very fleet of foot, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Matt, it's a good point. I think a lot of people are going to look at this as, well, Tampa Bay does a great job of stuffing the run. And it's true. They've dealt with with uh, with injuries, too, on that defensive line and managed to plug the holes quite well. We all talked about it before the show that Todd Bowles has done a phenomenal job with this defense. Uh, and then the, the, the Rams are a team where it's pretty obvious Sean McVay doesn't want the game to be won or lost on the arm of Jared Goff. I think we can all agree there, right? They make it easier for him to get the ball out of his hand. And it is it has contributed to some pretty big games for receivers. But at other times, if you force him into a tough spot, if you bring pressure to Jared Goff, he really gets rattled. And it feels like that's when his worst games happen. And I think that pressure is going to be crucial tonight. They do not have their left tackle, Andrew Whitworth, who's on injured reserve. AB's talking about all the pressure that Tampa Bay generates. I see this being a big factor in the game. The Rams have played a lot of 12 personnel, especially of late when they're in competitive games. I think that's just to try and help protect Goff. We know about his splits when he's under pressure. All right. So talk to me a little bit about the quarterback position. We'll dive into it and we will work our way through it. Wide receivers, all the pass catchers running backs for the Rams and then move it over to the other side uh, and, 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 and tie this all together. We want to hit on everything too. No stun, no stone left unturned for these showdown shows because every single little bit is extremely important. Uh, and a lot of times these two or $300 players, the cheap players can be the reason that you make a good lineup, make it fit, and then end up winning the million dollars, which DraftKings and other sites, I think FanDuel's around that or something paying out tonight. So where are you going with Jared Goff? He's the second highest priced player on the slate behind only Tom Brady. I think Jared Goff, for the reasons we mentioned above, is going to be extremely volatile. If Tampa Bay can generate a lot of this pressure, we've seen this really throw off some of his games. The thing with Jared Goff, though, is this L.A. team is extremely sensitive to game script. They are one of the run-heaviest teams in the NFL, but they've been playing with leads almost the entire year. They are obviously a very good team. 
Last year, Jared Goff tied for the league lead in pass attempts. Just two weeks ago, or two games ago, I believe they had their buy in there. Two games ago, Jared Goff attempted over 60 passes. That was when they were, they were obviously a negative game script in that instance. If Tampa Bay gets up to a lead, which is what bookmakers are currently projecting, they're going to let Jared Goff throw. So do you like Jared Goff today? Um, AB, is he someone that stands out to you as a solid option that you can pair with some pass catchers that you really like? Yeah, I mean, I do. I, I do like him. I think a lot of people is going to go just looking at what Tampa did last week and how explosive that offense can be. Um, to go with Jared Goff, I, I don't know uh, what the the ownership is right now, but I, I can't imagine Jared Goff being uh, more heavily owned than than Tom Brady. So I think Tom Brady will be the guy that most people will kind of go to. But it's just it. it for both sides, you don't know which pass catcher is it going to be. They have so many weapons on both sides that you just don't know. So who are you going to pair with golf? Are you going to go with the game script that they're going to get pressure? Uh, Tampa is, and he's going to have to get the ball out quick. So is that more Wood, Higby, um, Everett? Are those the guys you want to go with? Um, or can he hold the ball a little bit to kind of push the ball down the field to maybe get Cooper Cup and uh, Josh Reynolds involved um, that way? So it's going to be tough, but I, I do see him as a guy that you have to really um, think about playing. I mean, you can't just not play him, I don't think. You know what I just realized? Did, you got a webcam set up, A.B.? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were on the phone last time. Oh, you know what? You were in a I hotel, was. weren't you? I was in the hotel. You were in a hotel. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Okay. Matt, when I ask about, you know, do you like a player, when I, like I asked you, do you like Jared Goff? Obviously, you're playing Jared Goff in most cases anyway, because it's a showdown slate and there's only one game. But what I mean, when I say, do you like him? I, essentially what I'm saying is, do you feel confident in him? Uh, do you see this as a potential blow up spot? And, and you do let's talk about some of the pass catchers here though, because this is where it starts getting interesting. And that 60 pass attempt game you were talking about from Goff against Miami Cooper cup saw 20 targets, but I want to start with actually none, neither of the big two and go straight to Josh Reynolds over his last three games. He has targets of 10, nine, and eight. One of those games against Seattle was a relatively close fought game. They end up winning it by seven. Uh, they lost to Miami. He had nine targets, but then again, in a two touchdown win over Chicago, he had eight targets. So it wasn't just that negative game script falling from behind game against Miami that Josh Reynolds was, was worked in. He has seen 27 targets over his last three games. And I think that needs to be talked about. It absolutely does. And I think there's a misconception here that Cooper Cup is like de facto wide receiver one. He's on the field every single snap. It's actually not true. This team ran a ton of 12 personnel, especially when Whitworth got hurt. That actually didn't pull off Woods. It didn't pull off Reynolds. It pulled off Cup. Cup only played on 53% of snaps last week. Josh Reynolds and Robert Woods played a full complement of snaps. Yeah. This doesn't matter quite as much because when Cup is on the field, he's heavily targeted. So I don't think it naturally affects him that much. But speaking to your point on Reynolds, he's a full-time player in this offense, and he's not coming off the field no matter what happens. A.B., we know the one area of weakness, at least through what we've seen this season. Last year, it was, it was obvious. But you know, this year, Tampa Bay has bolstered their secondary a little bit, but it's still weaker than the ground game. Uh, and they've got a, yacht, a lot of young bodies out there that are, that are you know, occupying the, 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 the secondary as well. Who do you like most? Who do you think fits best? in terms of how they play the game at the wide receiver position, whether it's Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Josh Reynolds, maybe it's more than one of them. 
I, I like Robert Woods, honestly. I, I like him. Um, I, I think Cooper Cup will. They'll, they'll try to take somebody away, and I think it'll be Cooper Cup. Um, when you see this, this offense really go, I think, I mean, Cooper Cup's always a big part of it. Um, Robert Woods will be the guy, I think, they that gets a lot of targets um, tonight, and it's going to be if he can make a guy miss. This team runs to the ball. So, uh, yeah, the secondary isn't as strong, but they kind of make up for it with pass rush. So if you know you don't have to cover for four or five seconds because the guys on up front are going to get home, then it makes that secondary look a little better. So, I mean, that's what I think uh, Tampa will um, lean towards um, tonight as far as getting pressure on the quarterback. It's crazy too, Matt, because Robert Woods and Josh Reynolds on pro football focuses wide receiver versus quarterback model, which is, you know, kind of nice to see sometimes. They have both of them with negative grades. They have Woods with the shadow coverage from Carlton Davis and Josh Reynolds seeing a lot of his snaps or routes run against Jamel, uh, Jamel Dean. What do you think about that? It's going to be a tough matchup for both of them. They have a nice corner and Sean Bunting in the slot too when they run into 11 personnel. So I don't think anyone really stands out with this matchup game you want to play. Tampa Bay's had three strong corners. A lot of that, I think, comes from the pass rush. Last year, if you look at the 2019 grins, some of them were pretty brutal. So I really do think it's the front seven, which has helped this team a lot, to A.B.'s point. Are there any other pass catchers that you're willing to look at here? We can talk tight ends. You can talk about any of these tertiary options, but they really haven't seen a ton of love. Honestly, I think Cup is too expensive given the roles that the other ones are playing. Woods and Reynolds, it's essentially the same role, and Cup is being bolstered by that 21-target game. I mean, that's going to bolster anybody. If you want to talk about tight ends, they're both on the field a decent amount. Tyler Higby this year has an 11% target share. If you want to go down to Gerald Everett, his is just 10%. In their last game, Higby ran 21 routes to Everett's 18. It's pretty similar here. If we're going to have a similar role, I'll probably just take the savings with Everett. He's significantly less expensive than Tyler Higby. Just based on price, he'd be the one I prefer. Van Jefferson, the young rookie, has seen one or one target in six of his last seven games. The only game where he didn't see that was where he got two when Jared Goff threw 60 times. So uh, I, I don't really see a considerable amount of upside with someone like Van Jefferson here. He hasn't scored yet on the season. And he has 15 targets in eight games, averaging less than two per game. Um, AB, let's talk about the the run game here. It's tough to know who the ball's going to go to. Cam Akers last week actually led the team in carries with 10, but the week prior to that didn't even see the field for more than a snap. You've got uh, Malcolm Brown. You have Daryl Henderson, who was expected to be you know pretty involved last year and was completely written off. So I never have any idea what Sean McVay is going to do with the run game. If we are looking to target them, how the hell do we do it? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess you you look at um, who's getting the ball in the red zone. Um, last week, I think we saw uh, you saw the uh, quarterback throw the ball all over the place, and then when he got in the red zone, they hand the ball off. Malcolm Brown got, I think he got two touchdowns uh, last week. Um, that's what I think you look at, and you hope that one of your guys um, is the guy that gets in the end zone. So Malcolm Brown seems to be that guy right now. I would kind of steer away from it, honestly, because you just don't know. I mean, I think it's very much like, I don't know, New England and how they're running backs. Like, you just – you have no idea who's going to do what on any given week, who's going to be that that actual um, bell cow um, for that week. So, uh, if I had to pick one, I'm going Malcolm Brown because just recent bias, um, he was the one that got in the end zone. He was the one that they leaned, leaned on uh, inside the red zone. Yeah, Matt, it's tough. Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson 
in the in the flex spot, not in the captain spot, in the flex spot are fifty eight hundred and fifty four respectively. Cam Akers is down there at twenty eight hundred, so he's half the price. Maybe there's some incentive there to say, okay, uh, Cam Akers is half the price of these guys. He's cheap. He did see he's seen uh, nineteen tar- or nineteen carries over his last two games. Sorry, the one against uh, Chicago, actually a prime time game. You and I discussed was the one where he wasn't on the field at all. Uh, but he has seen nineteen carries over the last two weeks. He's not um, getting targeted at all in the passing game, but he is kind of cheap. Is there any merit to looking his way or to Malcolm Brown or to Daryl Henderson in a matchup that already out of the gate is not good? It's only based on price because Akers is still barely playing. He only played, let's see what it was, 18 snaps last week, and he's clearly behind both Brown and Henderson. I think in competitive games, similar to what AB said, Malcolm Brown is the guy they trust the most. He's the back that has the most receiving work out of this team. And if this team gets down, which is what bookmakers are projecting, it's going to be Malcolm Brown over Daryl Henderson and over Cam Akers, which is interesting to me because Cam Akers is a guy that caught a lot of passes in college. He had 30 receptions in his final year. But for whatever reason, Sean McVay just doesn't seem to think he can do it. So do you not think he do you not think that at the discount it's worth it, even at twenty eight hundred? I would probably not play Akers. I would rather play someone like Gerald Everett. Okay. So favorite cheap player from the, from the Rams today, would it be Everett? It's Everett for me. If you want to include Malcolm Brown in this, I don't know where we're drawing this threshold, but for a cheap runner, I think Malcolm Brown is someone I'm going to look at just, I think he'll see the most work and the most pass came work out of this team. Otherwise it's Everett. And there's a lot of reasons to think that he'll get on the field. They, again, they don't have their left tackle. So they'll probably use more 12 personnel to help chip there. Everett's the peer receiving tight end. They use Higby more as a blocker. I know Higby is kind of a good two-way tight end, Everett's essentially just a pass catcher. He'd be the guy I look to down there. All right. I just want to play devil's advocate for a moment here, and then we can move on to Tampa Bay. Uh, if you actually, if you look at Cam Akers red zone touches last week uh, in week 10 in that win over was a Seattle, right? Seattle. Yeah. Um, he actually had five carries inside the red zone, two inside the 10 and one inside the five, which to me is not that bad, especially given the three man rotation in say, or in LA 56% of the team's red zone carries went to Cam Akers last week. So I'm willing to say, hey, that there's a very good chance he doesn't see the field at all, and McVay goes away from him, as we've seen in the past. But if he get five carries in the red zone last time out and, and this game script fits favorably for them, uh, I'll take some shots at him, just hoping that at a cheap price I can get some of the more expensive guys into my lineup. Oh, go ahead. When you, when you look at that, so I, I tend to, uh, I, I would think of it as he didn't get the job done, right? So he didn't get the job done. And in a game like this, if you're leaning towards what Vegas is saying, they're going to be behind. Field goals isn't going to do it. So you need a guy in there that's going to that's gonna get the ball in the end zone um, because you're, you're going to continue to fall behind if you're kicking field goals and another team is scoring touchdowns. So I say he lose some of those um, touches. They gave him a chance. He didn't come through, and he lose some of those to Malcolm Brown, who was able to come come through. So I don't know. I mean, I that's the way I would probably look at that, and especially against a, a good defense like this. So it's not going to be if you couldn't get in last week, you're probably not going to get in this week against a better defense. Sure. Yeah, it's a good point. And Malcolm Brown did score twice, uh, both of which came in the red zone. So I'm not going to argue that. Uh, again, simply going back to one very specific reason: he's really cheap. And yep. a lot of these good players on this slate are very expensive. So 
uh, if we're looking for cheap value, there, there's just not a lot there. Matt mentioned Gerald Everett. Uh, Acres and him are basically the same price. We're going to get to to Tampa Bay right now, and and you'll see there's just not a lot of value there. So let's do that. Before we do, though, uh, through Thanksgiving, if you guys have been watching all of these streams, you know it already. If you're new, listen up. We've got a $1 promo. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal promo. For $1, you get the NFL Express package. For $1, that's at one single dollar, no strings attached. $1, you get all of our showdown content, all the tools for showdown, the ownership tool, the projections, the top players tool. You get the Express lineup builder, the Express top stack tool, uh, and the rankings and stuff. And not all of this is showdown, right? You can use this package on Sundays uh, for the main sites and the afternoon sites. There's a lot that goes into uh, such a affordable package using that promo Mayflower when you check out at awesomeo.com slash join. You got through Thanksgiving to do it. Uh, there's no reason not to jump in. If you've been hesitant, skeptical, maybe you got burned by another site and you say, I'm not paying for content anymore. Well, here's the great thing. You pay a dollar, you either like it or you don't. I'm pretty certain you will, which is why we want you to be able to get your foot in the door. But for $1, using the promo code Mayflower, all of our showdown content, a lot of other content for the main slates, for the afternoon slates, like rankings, ownership, and all of that. We'll see you over there. Check it out. Mayflower, use that promo. You've got through Thanksgiving to get $1 package NFL Express. All right, AB, what do you say about uh, TB? TB12, Tom Brady, highest priced player on the slate, I think for good reason. There were a lot of people this season that said Tom Brady was going to stink and you you can't trust Tampa Bay. He has so many better pass catchers now that I'm not shocked at all that the man's thrown 23 touchdowns through his first 10 games. I'm, I'm kind of shocked he hasn't thrown more, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> they, they you saw what uh, Winston was able to do, and when you compare the two, I mean, I don't think there is a comparison um, between Winston and, and TV 12. So I thought he'd do more even with – them not meshing um, in a normal offseason, if you will. But the, the players that he has around him, they're just so dynamic, whether that's Fournette in the backfield, you got um, Jones, you, and then all the pass catchers, and adding in a guy like Antonio Brown, um, you bring in Gronkowski. I mean, it's just – he has so much. So and it makes it very difficult to hone in on who's going to be that guy for that game. So – uh, that's that's going to be tough, but you know Tom Brady is going to be the guy that leads that charge. Um, so I think he is a guy that you have to have. How about you, Matt? I think Tom Brady is a fantastic play. When I think you talk about rostering him, the decision has to be with the ownership because we know he's a good play, and both of these quarterbacks are in tough matchups. I think you still want to take one of them. So looking at the matchup doesn't do a lot for me. When you have Tom Brady, I think you have – just the better weapons on he, on his side of the ball with, I mean, A.B., Mike Evans, Chris Godwin is pretty ridiculous. But you're talking about a guy who's going to carry 24% captain ownership. He's going to be 85% owned overall. So when we're talking about Tom Brady, I think just playing the ownership game, if you play him in utility instead of flat, or you play him in utility instead of captain slot, kind of like what we talked about with Dalvin Cook last week, you're immediately gaining leverage on the field. Let me ask you something. Are you surprised that he's projecting for more than 30%, 33% more ownership than Jared Goff, because I honestly was pretty shocked by that. I am too. And it's not so much that, like, I think Tom Brady's ownership is wrong. I think Jared Goff's is low. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do think Jared Goff is coming in very low for a quarterback. A 51% quarterback is pretty ridiculous. It's Especially when it's not like a 
you know, an Alex Smith, right, or a Joe Flacco. Understandably, even when those guys are a little bit less expensive, people want to get away from them because there's a good, there's a high likelihood that they just don't do anything. But in Jared Goff's case, I know he hasn't been fantastic this year. You do still have a, a, a lot of weapons around him from Goff to Cup to, to, or I'm sorry, from Cup to Woods to uh, Reynolds. Even Higby is, is an Everett or, or capable pass catching tight ends who are going to be on the field a lot. So I get it. Jared Goff's fantasy totals have not been great this year, but there's still a lot of potential. And by the way, let me just throw this out there. AB, last mm-hmm. two weeks, Jared Goff has eclipsed the 300 yard mark. He's just not throwing any touchdowns because they're all getting vultured at the goal line by Malcolm Brown and company. Last week, I had him everywhere on the main slate against Seattle. He throws almost 300 yards in the first half, finishes with zero touchdowns, despite the fact that they dropped 23 points and three scores on the day. So tilting. <laughs> that's all. That's tough, man. That, that's hard. And I don't know if that leans towards the coach saying when, as a, as you get into that red zone, the field shrinks. So does the coach, does he have the confidence that golf is going to make the right play? Is he not going to try to fit a ball in a hole? You don't want to lose points when you get down there. So you want to make sure you you get points. Um, so does he just lean towards that run game once they get down? Just I don't know. There's a there's there's a lot of things. I like to think that if I if I got my quarterback and I trust him, that if it's not there, he's gonna throw it away, then you call those plays and he you allow him and those receivers, which I think this team relies on that on that um passing game. If they can't throw the ball, they're in trouble. So, but they have to be able to run the ball to keep people honest. Yep. You know who uh, you can't rely on to throw the ball away if he doesn't see any run there, Matt? Carson Wentz. I knew you were going to bring this up at some point. <laughs> yeah, I, knew, I knew that was happening. <laughs> Let me tell you, that is brutal. Leads the league into interceptions, fumbles. He added a, uh, a safety to his resume yesterday. I don't know what to think anymore. I don't know how you do it in Chicago either, A.V. It's tough, man. It's a tough life, us having to watch these teams every week. At least you guys are 5-4 and four or something. You're still above 500, right? No, no, no. Uh-uh. Not anymore. Oh, no. you're 5-5? Five 4-5? And five, and five? Yeah. We, we used to be. And okay. okay. The only way we do it. Were you 5-1 we at one point? Yes. Yeah, we're 5-1. Yeah. Okay. Oh, five wow. And that's and fell all the way off. That's we a rough call from Grace. Dollars, so that's the problem. That's the, that's the easy way to, to stomach. That's brutal. Okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're all in bad shape around here. Matt, you got the Packers at least, so that's good. Uh, what about the pass catchers, Matt? You've got so many now is the only issue, right? Like, I think I mentioned this to you last time we talked about the Tampa Bay Bucks when they were facing the Giants, that you look at Chris Godwin when he's on the field. He catches almost every ball thrown to him, right? He's been targeted 41 times. He's got 34 receptions on the season. He's been injured a lot, though. But when he's there, Tom Brady makes an effort to get him the football. And it, and it kind of reminds me of what A.B. said before we started the show. If this is an instance where you've got Aaron Donald and company coming for Brady's head, does he want to get rid of the ball quicker? And if so, does that result in Chris Godwin getting elevated workload where Mike Evans, as an outside runner downfield, kind of gets cut out of this one a little bit? What do you think? I think Godwin is absolutely the best price adjusted play among these pass catchers. He has a larger target share than Mike Evans. So I can't really justify spending up to Mike Evans. And then you look down to Antonio Brown. He's just a little bit less expensive, but Antonio Brown, similar to Cooper cup is the one that suffers 
when this team goes into 12 personnel, Tampa Bay also likes to use a lot of two tight end sets. Antonio Brown didn't even play on 50% of the snaps last week. He ran fewer routes than Rob Gronkowski. So I think Chris Godwin, just based on his offensive role and target share, he's mispriced kind of sandwiched in between these two players. AB, how do you feel about these guys? A bunch of names from, from Antonio Brown, another AB, to, uh, to Chris Godwin, to Mike Evans, to Rob Gronkowski. There's a lot of mouths to feed. There is, and I, I, I like to lean towards the guys he feels the most comfortable with. And those guys are, I think, is, I think it is Mike Evans. I mean, he is expensive, but I think he will feel uh, more confident, and Mike Evans will get some targets down the field. Um, in a play-action situation, uh, then they'll push the ball down the field. But the guy that I'm really looking at is Gronkowski, honestly. I mean, him, uh, even uh, an off play with Braid. I mean, we saw him catch a touchdown either last week or the week before. I mean, he's going to look to those tight ends um, to make plays, and rightfully so. Tom came through New England, and it was always he always had a good tight end for the past, what, 10 years or so. So um, I think he's going to look at Gronkowski a lot. And um, it'll be, I like Godwin as well. I mean, Godwin can catch the ball, take short passes and take them, take them to distance. So um, those are some, some good, uh, I guess, uh, high percentage throws that they can get big plays from. Yeah, that is the one thing I like about Godwin is, you know, last year only Michael Thomas had more yards after the catch than Chris Godwin. And he played two more games than Godwin, only had seven more yards after the catch. Chris Godwin is, is able to create after the catch on his own. And I think that's important for a game like tonight. So especially given that the, the Rams secondary is strong, Matt, like we should probably, we should probably talk about this for a second because they are, they have been a very strong secondary Russell Wilson, despite some, some mishaps and some interceptions in recent weeks, he's still been someone that's been able to throw the ball well and move the ball downfield on other teams using his arm. He, he, they really, really, um, they, they contained him last week and, and they've done that on a, on a number of times to a bunch of decent quarterbacks. How much, if at all, does that concern you or does it not really matter since we only have one game to choose from anyway? It's not a huge factor for me. The Rams did lose Taylor Rapp. He's one of their starting safeties, a strong contributor to that team. Maybe that loosens things up a little bit, but when you have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown it's not like you can you can stick Jalen Ramsey on one of those guys and isolate the entire pass game Jalen Ramsey can only cover one of them and then I mean Troy Hill is still a good corner as well Darius Williams has played strong for them so I mean they do a strong corner play but I think there are ways that Tom Brady and the pass catchers can kind of navigate around Jalen Ramsey who's really the clamps of that defense so who would you say your favorite pass catcher is from Tampa Bay is it Chris Godwin Chris Godwin Yeah. yeah I like Godwin a lot here um, AB, it sounds like you like Gronk a lot, but also Chris Godwin. Right, right. I mean, if I'm trying to be be different um, here, so I mean, I like I, I would lean um, towards Gronk because I think everybody knows that Godwin is the guy, right? So he's the guy that that he'll lean on, that Tom will lean on a lot. But I think that I think those roles could switch um, according to game script, and it'll be it could be Gronk. Yeah. And it was encouraging to see too, that Godwin's played 90 plus percent of snaps in each of his last two games. Uh, Matt, you mentioned the routes for Antonio Brown, 49% snaps for him last week. Do you have any interest in getting there though? If we're talking ownership, which is really the most important thing, right? Chris Godwin is the highest owned 
uh, receiver right now for Tampa and highest owned player outside of Brady. Then you have Mike Evans at 32%. Godwin's at almost 50%. Antonio Brown's down at 25%. Yeah, I'm probably going to try to double stack Brady in some fashion. So I think getting away for Chris Godwin is going to be an ownership play. And you can certainly look to Antonio Brown. You can look to Mike Evans. If I were ranking them, I would prefer just based on price and ownership. I still prefer Godwin one. Number two is Mike Evans. Gronk is three. He's actually running more routes. And similar to what AB said, Gronk has a nice matchup and rapport with Tom Brady. Antonio Brown would be fourth. Yeah, PFF, too, has both of these teams with a top five pass rush in the league, AB. So I think that plays a big role in all of this. Are you willing – I'm going to get off the – I'm going to get off topic for a second here from the pass catchers. Are you willing to consider defenses at all, or is this just a game where while we respect them, we don't want to have any of them in our lineups? I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, you, you do respect them. Um, you, I, don't, I don't think they're going to make a play. If, if, if one of them makes a play to actually um, help you win a tournament, I would probably lean more toward um, – the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because under pressure you do see golf get rattled a lot. So if he's under pressure, I can see him throwing a, a ball that's behind the guy and they taking it to the house or holding the ball too long. Tom Brady's going to get rid of the ball. He's not going with the ball. And I think he'll have a better game than golf will uh, in the sense of if they get behind, then golf can obviously throw for more yards than Tom, but um, I, I like Tom Moore, um, so I'll go with that defense, um, the Tampa's defense. We got Antoine and Evan here in chat talking about how the Cowboys are going to win the division. I hope they do. <laughs> I hope they do because I don't want to win the division, get smoked in the, in the wild card round, and now our top pick can't be anything high, uh, lower than or better than 19. So you guys go ahead and do that. Get smoked in the first round on national television, and we'll take our top 10 pick. We've I'm been getting kid. smoked all year on national television. I think we've had, a, had enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. I don't need to see any more of that shit. You guys can have it. But by the way, you guys see that CeeDee Lamb catch yesterday? Yes. Beautiful. Yes. I went out and said it was the best catch of the season because of the adjustment he had to make on that. And I had people go, what about Hopkins? I said, I get it. But I don't know how... A.B., how do you contort your body like that? I, that was one of the best catches I've seen in a long time. I can't do it. I mean, I guess it's, it, it's great to be 22-23 because <laughs> <laughs> there's no chance I'm ever doing that again, ever. Yeah, Matt, that was – I mean, CeeDee Lamb is, is an extraordinary player. Meanwhile, Henry Ruggs wasn't targeted once until late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, John Gruden, he, I'm not sure he knows what he's doing in the draft. But that's neither here nor there. See, he's Lamb done a good a, job with the Raiders, though, just as a team winning games. Yeah, I'm not sure how he did that. He kind of got lucky getting some uh, some Mac players and, you know, Max Crosby and stuff, you know, going to that small conference, my favorite college football conference. But as far as what John Cruz doing as a decision maker on offense, I don't know if he's got that. Oh, you say you're not you're not. So you're one of those people that will go to the grave saying Gruden was a bad guy to bring in to coach this team. Are you talking about hundred million dollar man, John Gruden? I'm talking about a six-win Raiders team. I don't know. They beat the Chiefs already once this year and almost did it twice. I, I can't I can't talk bad of him too much. What do you think about the ground game for Tampa Bay? Ronald Jones coming off easily his best uh, game of the of his career, almost eclipsed 200 yards. 
is one of only four running backs now with a 98 yard touchdown run in NFL history. Some impressive stuff from, from RJ too. Now he's coming into this spot against the Rams. And uh, of course he always, no matter how well his prior performance was, has Leonard Fournette breathing down his neck. Yeah, you are at the mercy of the whimsical nature of Bruce Arians when you talk about the runners here. Ronald Jones, just prior to his 24-touch game, had a six-touch game. You look at Leonard Fournette, four and three games go, 17 and 18 touches. So I think it's just honestly the hot hand approach. Whoever performs well early in the game gets a majority of the work here. When you're talking about Fournette versus Jones, Fournette is significantly cheaper. So that's why I'm going to lean just based on volatility of the entire situation. How about you, AB? Any preference here? You have any strong lean one way or the other? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with Matt on this one. I mean, I, I don't really lean one way or the other on either one, but because Fournette is half the price, I mean, it's just it gives you so much more leverage, and he's not going to double in uh, this game. He's not going to double Fournette's um, productivity. So I just don't see that happening with the type of defense that he's playing, that he's going against. So I don't see him running the ball. I think it's going to be a quarterback game. I think it's going to be a receiver game. It's going to be if you want to, can you stomach playing Higby or Everett? Um, that's that's what I think it's going to come down to. So uh, now I don't I don't think I, the, the running backs could play a part. They could have forty yards on fifteen carries with two touchdowns. I mean that could happen. But I mean if you play one of those guys, I think that's what you're really hoping happens. So you're just, you're not sold on the run game for either team whatsoever no. today. No, I, I'm not. I, I think this right here. I think. The teams will have to throw the ball. Um, the teams don't give up many points. Um, I think uh, the Rams are second in the league at just under 19 points a game. Um, they don't give up a ton. Uh, and when they do, I mean, I think it's going to have to be through the air, even though they get sacked. So uh, they get pressure on your quarterback. But when you can go play action and max protect, and now you can push the ball down the field, we've seen Ramsey beat. I mean, hell, the Bears had – Ramsey beat a couple of times. It was just the pass rush got there and they weren't able to pr- protect Foles long enough that he can actually hit those plays. So you see Ramsey beat by double moves a lot. And I think he can be beat tonight by double moves. It's a good point. Matt, if you look at our uh, awesome top showdown, uh, single game plays tool for today, which is taking, you know, the probability that these players are going to be the top scorer. It's important, right? Because of the captain spot. Uh, or they're going to be two through six. What's the percent that they're going to finish two through six in the utility or two through five on Fanduel? All of this is for a reason, right? It's all catered specifically to the structure or the the structure of how these lineups are set up. Uh, by the way, like I said, that one dollar with using Mayflower, this is included in it. It's an awesome tool and the showdown ownership for every day. And I forgot to mention this as well. With Thanksgiving coming up, you're going to have three showdown slates alone just on Thanksgiving. So a ton of showdown content for $1. You get all of that stuff, but Matt, uh, Ronald Jones, 35% utility spot ownership. He's got a 35% chance of finishing in the two through six spot. Whereas Leonard Fournette, 23% ownership, 28% chance of finishing in that two through six spot. So as far as the likelihood that one of them finishes in the top six, they're really not that's that far uh, apart as far as as the likelihood goes no they're not and i can't really draw a trend from bruce arian's usage it's it's not like one of these guys has really underperformed they both had big games of course you mentioned the 98 yard touchdown run from ronald jones fournette's had good games himself and fournette's been targeted a lot when he's on the field more i honestly don't know who's going to get the ball more so i'm just going to side with ownership i'm going to side with the pricing and go with fournette okay 
Andrew says, can't believe Alex Brown is on Awesomeo. Getting the shout out, AB. You've been on it. Th- this is like your fourth show, isn't it? I know. Come on. You got to be, he needs to be more consistent watching. What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, this has been every Monday for like, I don't know, is this our fourth show? I think it's our fourth, third or fourth, not sure. Third or fourth, third. Third or fourth, yeah, but yeah, we're having a good time, man. So uh, tell your friends, AB's over here on Awesomeo, breaking down Monday showdown edition slates with us. Uh, And man, we love having you here. It's been pretty fun. Do you like any kickers? Got to go there. I told you, no stone unturned at the top of the show. He was all on Santos last week. Oh, yeah, Yeah, that's right. That's I right. Was. I even though I like the defenses, I mean, I, I just don't. I don't think this game is going to be won by kicks. I, I just don't. I think you're going to have to score touchdowns. So when you look at uh, suck up or uh, is it four bath? No, four bath is gone. So is it gate? Yeah, they they brought in who was it to hit the IR? Four bath hit the IR. Matt Gay came in, and then you had McGinnis. So DraftKings okay. actually has three different guys on the uh, available here. But I I think as of now, it is Matt Gay who's expected to get the nod. Okay. I I don't think uh, they won't be a part of my lineup. Honestly, Uh, I I think it's going to be, you're going to have to get the ball in the end zone to win this game. Um, I got it. I mean, I don't think any team scores over 30, but uh, I do think it's going to be touchdowns um, that, that you're going to need. So I'm going to I'm gonna pass on the kickers. All right, Matt, how about you? And I didn't ask you about defenses yet either, so feel free to touch on that. Yeah, yeah I think it's just mixing in kickers where, where it makes sense, where they fit. They're not a strong priority for me. Again, I prefer the kickers in lower scoring games just so they have a chance to actually outscore some of the skill position players. I don't think there's a strong likelihood of that, so it's just going to be a mix and match situation. The defenses I'm slightly more interested in just because they both generate a lot of pressure, especially with Jared Goff. We're dealing with a, a turnover prone quarterback when he can, when he's like getting pressured a decent amount. So I think looking to Tampa Bay's defense makes some sense. LA for the same reason. I'll mix and match those two at a slightly higher rate than the kickers. So Matt, if you're starting your lineups off, right? I ask you to plug one guy into the captain spot, one guy into the utility spot. Okay. Who would it be in a single entry or a three max contest for tonight? Um, relatively large field, size field contest, you know, like the five, 10 K to first three max or single entry. So decent size, but nothing like the, the Millie maker that we've seen. Yeah. So a decent size field tournament. I'll still probably look to someone on Tampa Bay in the captain slot. They're projected to win this game, obviously higher implied team total. I think you can look to someone like Godwin in that instance, because we're talking about like a mid-range field size with Godwin in particular, you are dealing with some captain ownership, but he's still the fourth most owned captain. So you're gaining a bit of leverage there and you can really work the rest of your roster to be unique in a mid-sized field tournament. It's not like you need to get completely off the board with captain. Then to correlate, I would just slot Brady into utility slot. You're already drawing some leverage there because he's projected to be the most owned captain. AB, your favorite captain spot player for tonight. I, man, I, I, don't, I can't, I can't shake Gronkowski. Honestly, I mean, I just ownership. Honestly, it's going to be ownership. Not many people will have him there. Um, I think he'll be the the go to guy. Though I can, I can see him getting six for eighty five and a touchdown. I mean, that I think that would be. He could get two. I, I mean, Gronkowski is going to be the guy tonight. I think he is the guy that that Brady looks to. Um, 
But the other guys, I mean, it's Evans. I don't think you push the ball down the field against this team. Can Evans wouldn't be the guy that I would use for that. What we were talking about just earlier, a double move against Ramsey. I mean, he's not, he's not that, that type of guy. So that would be a Godwin or something like that, that we use that. So, um, I'm, I love Gronkowski. I will have him there uh, tonight. All right. It's going to be Godwin for me, but I, I, as crazy as this sounds, Josh Reynolds, uh, Matt, we did a show together not long ago with the Rams on the slate. Josh Reynolds was in the winning lineup at captain uh, that day. Nobody else. Josh Reynolds was in the captain spot of that winning lineup. I can't remember what the game was. I believe actually – it was against Chicago. It was. It was against Chicago. It was just an ugly overall game. He's going to get no captain spot ownership. I don't think you necessarily have to go there, but I'm not afraid to look to one of these Rams receivers at the captain spot. Right now, Chris Godwin's ownership there is 10%. Uh, Cooper Cup is 12%. Woods is 8 And then Josh Reynolds is down at sub 3%. So, uh, as far as cat pass catchers receivers go, I'm not afraid to get a, a little bit different. As AB said, getting a little bit different with Gronkowski there. I don't think it's crazy with Reynolds, given that he's seen eight plus targets in each of his last three games. He is a legitimate starting wideout for this team now, and that's going to open things up. All right, AB, given that you think this is going to be a pass heavy game that mm-hmm. kind of abandons the run, I'm assuming you're going to take the over here. I will take the over. Yes. Okay. I will take the over. I, I do like the defenses, um, but I think the offenses are just good enough um, to hit that over. So they make just enough plays. There are some big plays out there to be made on on both on both defenses. And um, Bucks, you look at that, huh? I said, and Bucks laying four points. You like the Bucks to cover, or do you think uh, Rams cover plus four? I, I do think I, I'll, I'll go with the Rams covering, but um, I think the Bucks win but the Rams cover. Yeah, I like this four points for the Rams, Matt, just because these are two good teams, and you could easily see this game decided by a field goal. So you push it past that key number of three, and you get four. There's something I like about that. What are you doing, total and spread? And I like Tampa Bay against the spread, and I also like the over. I think there's a much better matchup on the Tampa Bay D-line versus the Rams O-line missing Whitworth. Okay. I'm going to go with the over two, but I don't feel comfortable about it. I do see this being one of those games that could potentially flip on its head. And just if the pass rush is getting there, you know, AB, you, you and Matt have talked about it all show. The pass rush does get there uh, and really disrupts the rhythm for Jared Goff and, and, and potentially Tom Brady. We could, we could see things get a little bit out of hand here, but I will go over because like you said, I do believe the offense edges out the defense on both sides of the field. So That'll be it for us. Guys, follow Alex at AlexBrown96 on Twitter, Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski, myself at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, and Osmo at Osmo underscore com. And remember, all of our shows available in podcast form on any podcast platform. You can find them there after we record, or you can go back and watch this one if you're jumping in late. Just wait till it goes onto the YouTube page, and it'll be right there. Last thing, I'll be back. In about 10 minutes with Alex or with Adam Share and Josh Engelman breaking everything down from week 11. And starting tomorrow, all the way up through Thursday, 
We're going straight into the Thanksgiving content. Tuesday, first look, Wednesday, and Thursday. We're going to have hours upon hours of content for Thursday's three-game slate. It's the best time of the year for DFS. Hopefully, you'll join us. We'll see you back here soon, guys. Thanks for watching the Awesome Strategy Show.